This week on The Reverse Stick, Kelvin Watt joins us to tell us all about South Africa's Premier Hockey League, the Asian Women's Cup, well, it surprises even India, and we've got lots more coming up on The Reverse Stick. Yes, the Global Hockey Podcast, that's us, The Reverse Stick. My name is John Lee. Here with you once again, and uh, I'm joined by Matt Allen. How are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm good, John. I've uh, just about got over the hangover of celebrating our 21st last week, and bang, we're straight into episode 22. It's relentless, and thank you once again, everybody out there, for joining us and listening into the reverse deck. And uh, plenty coming up, too. It's getting busy just before we get to the end of the year, isn't it? We've got lots of hockey coming our way. Lots, lots, of, lots of stuff coming up. Uh, yeah, it's been interesting trawling through and just uh, trying to eliminate what we don't have time to talk for this evening. And uh, yeah, lots going on. You hear it every week. <laughs> and we'll have our feature interview with Kelvin Watt a little bit later, talking about South Africa's Premier League. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept, and you know we've talked about the way that different countries. Uh, deliver their premier level of the game and it's different all over the world and we had a bit of a moan about the Australian Hockey League in the past interesting to see what's going on with the franchise model in uh, in South Africa but before we get to all of that it's time for News uh, where do we start? Asian Women's Cup of course yeah the Women's Asia Cup yeah, from Gifu down in the bottom of Kakami Kakamigahara 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 um, in Japan which uh, that finished up on Sunday and uh, an exciting way to end uh, up incredible really and you'll think you might think back to two weeks ago and we asked Jazz uh, Sani about his opinion on where the girls might finish from India and you know he hoped that fifth would be a, a good position for them to be finished. And, no, that was probably a little bit harsh, com- com- looking at where the world rankings were at the time. And uh, and, look, and I think Jazz's prediction was pretty spot on for the Indian sentiment going into the tournament. Well, it appears to be, but they they did well. They they've won. They're, they are the Asian women's champions, yeah. and uh, probably surprised everybody. Certainly surprised the Chinese. Cracking final. Uh, it was one all after full time, and the uh, the Indians won five four in a in a shootout. In a shootout, that's right. So it would have been a very exciting game. It would have been a great game had we got to. I'm not sure it was a great game anyway, but had we got to see it, well, we'd have seen a great game. Exactly. Oh, excuse me. What was that? You were talking about broadcasting, were you? Weren't yeah, you? we were, but I think this is a slightly different situation now. Look, I'd, I'd like to crack straight into this, and you know, we can <laughs> talk about the other bits of news and things, but. It, there's been a bit of um, an uprising over the past two or three days. Uprising is probably not the right word, but a certain amount of interest from the Indian media, from the uh, the Indian Eves winning the Asia Cup. And like I've just mentioned before, I don't think the expectation was too great. Now, we heard nothing prior to the tournament about, oh, we can't see the Women's Asia Cup in India. Oh, there's no view. There's nothing to see. Oh, you know, but... Not a word, not a word. We've mentioned it here on the reverse stick. We've mentioned, hang on a minute, why is the men's competition being covered and the women's competition not being covered? Well, surprise, surprise, after half of the Indian nation who congratulated the Indian Eves for winning the Asia Cup, (gasps) shock, horror, they won it, then suddenly the questions are being asked, well, why couldn't we see this? Shame on you, Hockey India. Shame on you, FIH. 
Shame on you, Asian Hockey Federation. Why, 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 why couldn't we see this spectacular thing happen? Well, there's two sides with it. One is, hang on a minute, guys. Nobody was interested in watching it a couple of weeks ago when you thought you had no bloody chance of winning anything. But the other side of it is... They did win. They did win, but it just echoes what we've, we've said over the past couple of weeks. Why is there a priority to be shown on, uh, for it to be shown in the men's competition and not the women's competition? Now, our friend Jasper Itzani did post an article the other day, I believe, John. He did, um, in, um, I'm not, can't remember what publication. Uh, uh, Z-Sports, I think on the Z-Sports yeah. website. But just questioning, you know, why is that and why is the, uh, that disparity existent and also the, the disappointment the players felt because they had watched the men's final themselves while they were on a training camp. They'd watched every one of India's games when they were in their training camp and went off to their Asian Cup and nothing. And I think the, the most disappointing thing is you couldn't pay to watch it either. It's not like there was one broadcaster who had the rights and, you know, you had to go through some deal. It just didn't exist. So on Jazzy's article, I'm just having a quick scroll down the screen here. He's, uh, towards the end, he's got the contract. In case specific to the Asia Cup, the International Hockey Federation and Hockey India are not responsible for its broadcast rights since it's an AHF, Asian Hockey Federation, property. Both the FIH and the Hockey India have contracts running with Star Sports to broadcast tournaments which is why the Women's Hockey World League semi-finals was also aired live on Star Sports and Hotstar. That's, that's in India, and you might have seen it in other parts of the world through affiliates. However, there were unconfirmed, report, excuse me, unconfirmed reports in August this year that the eight-year contract between FIH and Star, which runs until 2022, was on the brink of a premature end on the basis of monetary disagreements between the two parties. Nothing was confirmed on that, and nothing really happened. Um, but with regard to the Asia Cup, it's responsibility of the AHF. Uh, they lacked an aggressive approach when it came to the women's edition of the tournament and uh, decided not to pursue it being uh, broadcast. Then Hockey India went to Hockey Japan and put the, uh, the Asian Hockey Federation put the pressure on Japan to say, can we at least get some live streams of the, the finals of some of the games? because, the, as we've mentioned before, the video referral equipment was there and in place. Um, nothing happened. Nothing happened, nothing happened. And uh, it all comes down to money, I think, with it, John. I think it all comes down to money. Um, but I, uh, I think it it's does. also some of these broadcasters are a little bit out of touch with their audience. Oh, yeah, I think uh, we as a sport have got to start taking responsibility as well. We saw what... Uh, was able to be done with one cameraman and one commentator at the Sultan of Johor Cup. Now, we're not talking about Monday night football type coverage here. That's not what we're asking for. We're just asking for the ability to be able to watch games. And I'm surprised that there's not some sort of movement within the sport that says, why don't we broadcast it ourselves? And much like the model of Euro Hockey TV. Yeah, I agree, and we've, we've mentioned a few clubs out there um, across Europe, like Beeston, um, like Royal Ori, like uh, the Ullenhorster side in Hamburg. Um, yeah, they're, they're just doing it, doing it off their own bat, and doing it to, I guess, to raise the profile of their clubs. Now, if you're looking to pay for it. If you're looking to pay for it, oh, to what level are you prepared to pay for the, for quality? So something like the one camera setup, you probably wouldn't pay for it. But if it was part of a wider package, and you could get lots and lots of games with that similar kind of thing, you know, maybe. 
that's a discussion for another time because one thing we shouldn't uh, allow to happen is let all this broadcasting palaver get in front of what's really important and that's the hockey. So the final standings from the, the Women's Asia Cup, uh, India finished one with their final win over China. Uh, in the runners-up game, Korea and Japan played with the Koreans finishing third via a 1-0 win which left Japan in fourth place. Uh, Malaysia, some sort of consolation. They finished fifth, so uh, I'm sure they're not happy with that, but it was a good 4-0 win over Thailand. And the one that got me was, uh, because we'll refer when we get to the rankings a little bit later on, Kazakhstan uh, winning 3-0 over Singapore to clinch uh, seventh place there and not finish bottom. So uh, that's the Asian Women's Cup as far as... Well, we'll get to the placings and what they, what they actually mean because uh, we've had the release of... New FIH World Rankings. Yes, yeah, so we've got new World Rankings. I did read a lot of press saying fantastic Indian women have now qualified for the World Cup. Of course, they'd already qualified for the World Cup, and it was irrelevant uh, once they were in that that final four there anyway. But it was re- irrelevant before the tournament, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, but Harendra Singh, you know, congratulations to the new coach there. You know, we, we've made comment, haven't we, in the past with well, regards we to those stick appointments? Our hands up and so we we questioned it. We said, you know, is this the right thing for the do? Throwing your coaches up in the air and and you know how would this affect the teams? And in fairness, perhaps the Indian men's team, the, the Asian Cup was theirs to lose. That's not to take anything away from the other teams. But if they played well, they're probably always going to win it. Whereas the women's result is quite astounding in some ways. Yeah, and I think there were some good good seeds sown in the European Tour. They had some good results against the the Belgian under twenty one men's team sort of prior, prior to going on to this tournament. There, you know, there seemed to be some improvement there. I saw some. Uh, Memes, well, a few things posted with regard to the former Indian women's coach Neil Hallgood, um, and I think a comment he'd made at the Rio Olympics is that we've got very fast hands. Unfortunately, our feet aren't quite so fast, so you know maybe there's a little bit of a change going on there. And what else is going on? We'll get to the world rankings in a second because we've also got the uh, Caribbean Confederations qualifiers. Well, the qualifiers there, that's yep. right, to, to get through. And so that's taking place in Kingston um, in Jamaica at the moment. So we've got Bermuda and Guyana and Jamaica and Puerto Rico um, all playing there on the, the men's side. I'm oh, sorry, in the, on the women's side. On the men's side, Guatemala, uh, Jamaica. I note also that J- Jamaica's... Um, being coached by Quan Brown of Trinidad and Tobago oh, in this in this tournament, so uh, yeah, good stuff there. Um, who else is in that? Jamaica, uh, Puerto Rico, and uh, Guatemala and Panama in the competition. So all of those teams looking to progress from that competition into the um, the CAC finals. And then from those CAC finals, then and you've got an opportunity to progress to the Pan Am Cup. The big news story this week that has global implications, Matt, though, is the FIH World Rankings. That's right. So the new rankings have come out post the uh, Confederation Championships around and about. So we see no move at the top. So the Argentinian men and the uh, Dutch women remain in those top spots. So I do note that the Australians are edging a little closer to the Argentina men. So we may see a bit of a switch around in positions post-Hockey World League Finals. And I think um, it's interesting when you look at the Hockey World League finals coming up and you look at the rankings, they're pretty much spot on in both the men's and women's side. There's only one team that's ranked inside the top eight that's not going to be there. In the case of the men's, it's New Zealand, and it's a a double up for Oceania, and the women's, it's Australia who's going to miss out. Um, 
so that's uh well it's good to see some things are working the way they should you'd imagine that that's how that these sorts of things would tend to end up yeah i think at that top end when you're looking at that top eight top ten top twelve then because they've got the, the volume of international tournaments and opportunities to um get better ranking points and test matches and that sort of thing it's a bit easier um to maintain your position there than perhaps those guys that that are you know 24 and down maybe you don't have the frequency of tournaments or maybe you've done really well by uh, qualifying to the next tier but you've stepped up to the next tier and you got spanked at that next tier and you and and so you you haven't gained sort of position positional points within those uh, competitions on the men's side of things i mean the top 12 is essentially the same teams there's only really one change and that's uh Germany and Belgium swapping places and Belgium now ranked third and Germany fifth so uh, things are going along it that way there are some anomalies though there's a fair fair amount of transition there with that German squad I was looking at some of the stats last night with regard to us getting the dream team competition set up and uh, there's a lot of uh, lower capped players within the wider group there in German hockey at the moment I think they're just you know they're testing everybody out there so you might get a few results that don't go quite your way but yeah. believe you me when it comes to the big tournaments they'll be ready you know their cycles are good um, yeah, there are some anomalies in whatever system that they choose to be doing it by there'll, there'll always be some anomalies that pop up and one that caught my eye uh, Singapore on the women's side of things have risen five places and that's after being beaten 3-0 by Kazakhstan in the uh, 7th, 8th place game at the Asian Cup. We've got a couple of other ones where teams have, uh, such as Egypt, Egypt have got to the final of their Confederation Cup and dropped the place. I, mean, I can understand why when you see how they work it out I understand why it just seems that when you look at it as a raw up and down and that sort of thing yeah, well, well done analysis. well done great performance down you go yeah just, that's right just uh, Pakistan have had a, uh, a jump up to 13th um, Korea have dropped below them there and uh, the Wales men have jumped 8 places up to 24th position which puts them as the 10th uh, ranked Commonwealth as in the the old British Commonwealth that qualifies for the Commonwealth Games, the 10th ranked team there for the Commonwealth, which means that they'd qualify for the, the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast in Australia in 2018. So where are we? World rankings. World rankings. I thought we were going to go to something else there. <laughs> <laughs> Just got off that onto International Festival of Hockey. Oh, no, do International Festival of Hockey. So International Festival of Hockey, yes. so it's kicked off already with some games in Bendigo in country Victoria that you mentioned last week. Uh, so Australia versus New Zealand in the men, two games there, both won by the Aussies. And uh, Australia versus the USA, also won by Australia 2-0 in that game. Those sides will make their way down to Melbourne now for the, the, the tournament in full. And uh, just quietly, some great work from the Bendigo advertiser. Well... We didn't get any streaming of the games, unfortunately, but we did get some streaming of the streaming, uh, that being the pitches getting watered at half-time. It was um, highly entertaining. Uh, so, yeah, the tournament... We got something. We got something. Well, it, what was great was that as a local newspaper, they were really getting behind yeah. the tournament and spruiking the tournament and pre-promoting and promoting whilst it's on you know, the, the, the tournament, the, you know, the three days of games there. There are a lot of clinics that happened locally. Great opportunities for the kids to come down. Um, I read some 
Jeez, what do I do with my days? I read some reviews on Ticketmaster <laughs> that sold the tickets. Ticketmaster. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't ask why. <laughs> and uh, a couple of families have posted saying, oh, it was great to have the event in, in Bendigo. And what was really superb was the amount of time that the players had afterwards to sign autographs. <laughs> it was a four-star review. <laughs> oh, dear me. <laughs> but, yes, anyway, it car- carries on down in Melbourne. Um... So we've got New Zealand, Japan, uh, Australia and Pakistan all taking part in the men's side of the competition and the Netherlands, world number one, Japan, Australia and New Zealand in the women's side of the competition. You will be able to view this globally via uh, epicenter.tv. We don't think there's a charge for it at this stage, but there may well be. You'd have found this out by now already. Um, In Australia, it's, it's viewable on Fox Sports, so that's great that Fox Sports after everything we've said over the past few weeks, are actually prepared to broadcast some live hockey. Um, Hopefully it's not just the Australia games and we might be able to see all the games that are taking part in the tournament, but but hey, you know, at least if they broadcast bloody something. Fingers crossed, we'll wait and see. Uh, We've got the uh, Hockey World League finals coming up very shortly too, 17th of... uh, of this month, they get underway for the women, and the men is getting underway on December first. Yeah, I see. So not far away. We'll try and get in touch with someone to talk about the um, the women's next week. Well, I've seen all of the hard work that's taking place at the moment um, in Auckland. There, they're building the stands up around the grounds, and there's lots of work. And if you just check out the uh, Hockey New Zealand uh, Twitter or Facebook pages, then you'll see all the progress that's going on, which is great. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll do a preview and then we'll also speak to somebody on the ground there once the, once the tournament's underway. But lots of good hockey coming up. If you're in Australia, then you're catching on Fox Sports. If you're global, then you'll find it on epicenter.tv. And if you're in the States, I believe the US have got it on uh, the Olympic ESPN. channel. Is no, it on, on the, on the Olympic uh, channel. Sky's another broadcaster's name that I've heard involved somewhere along the line. Right, so you may, you may find it somewhere. Hopefully you'll find it for free. Yeah. Um, you know why they filmed Lord of the Rings in New Zealand? Why did they film Lord of the Rings in New Zealand, John? Because that's where Auckland is. You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast, and it's that time once again. It's our feature interview. That's right, John, and we're joined this week by Calvin Watt, who's on the show to talk all about the Premier Hockey League in South Africa. Something some of you may be aware of and others may, may not be. Now, Calvin's been in, instrumental in setting up the league and looking at all the commercial and marketing and media aspects of, of the Premier Hockey League, but also South, South African hockey in general. So, first up, welcome to the show, Calvin. Thanks very much. Great to be chatting to you guys. And great to have you on. Thanks for uh, sparing a bit of time with us today. Now, let's start off with the fundamentals, the Premier Hockey League in South Africa. Can you tell us all about it, uh, about the genesis of the competition and, and where we are today with it? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll be going into Season 2 of, of our Premier Hockey League on the 25th of November. We, we had our first season last year, and really the, the genesis of it came about um, Southern Department of Sport and Recreation each year put together a sum of money which they invest in what they call a feature sport of the year and hockey was their feature sport last year um so we we took that money and, and invested it in the development of of our own premier hockey league uh, and as I said, which which was launched last year and as part of that deal as well we we together with the department worked very hard with one of our major sport broadcasters here super sport who invested a substantial amount of broadcast rights money um for the next five years or for the first five events um, in the Premier Hockey League, and also obviously to to produce it, 
um, for us, and, and we'll have all 40 matches each year broadcast live on Supersport. And as you can imagine, that's fundamentally changed the, the game, certainly from a domestic perspective in South Africa. Um, and it, it's obviously allowed us to start attracting sponsors for those teams, etc. So that's really where it came from last year. We, we took a slightly different approach. We decided to we, we six men's and six women's teams together. Um, in, in each of those sections, one of the teams is our national under-21 squad. So we have our Golden Gate Gladiators and our Namakulan Daisy teams are, are actually our national under-21 squad. One of the problems that we've always had is getting them good competition. You know, sitting in Africa, it's very difficult for those junior teams. And I guess pretty similar from an Australian perspective yeah. to get regular competitive activity for them. So that really worked well. And we saw the, the bit of that with our best performance at an under-21 Boys World Cup last year. So, you know, we're hoping that that'll continue. The other five teams are then selected on a draft process. Or, or what we do is we, we pick marquee players for each of the squads. Um, last year it was four marquee players. This year it's six. So it's effectively our national, our national training squad. We pick as, as marquee players. And then the balance of the players go into a pool uh, last year, and, and we had a draft where the coaches um, drafted those players, um, you know, in, in, a, in a relatively um, fair manner in, in the way that we, we allowed them from an order perspective. And then this year, each of those coaches was allowed to drop somewhere between four and eight players or, or release them um, and replace them with new players in the pool, some of the under-21s that had graduated from last year, players that had been identified last year. So... We just had our, our draft um, over the weekend on Saturday. And obviously that also created a lot of excitement. You know, it's, it's not often in the game of hockey where we, you know, live on social media and in the media drop and release players and tell them, right, you're, you're gone. Um, no, so it was, it was controversial, but it was fun. And we had a lot of players doing their own sort of social media campaigns to get selected, um, which was a lot of fun for the community. And, and, you know, people, the hockey community really got involved in Saturday as, as new squads were drafted. I'm, so I'm a, that's sort of where the events come from. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed, Calvin, because I was behind the hashtag Pick Woody campaign. Were you? Well, as we keep saying, people, you obviously saw the Pick Woody. Um, that really got a lot of interest. And, and um, watch the space, because between the organisers <laughs> and the Super Sport, we, we might just pick Woody. And um, you know, we've certainly got uh, some ideas for Woody, so he's not going to be lost to the game. But I think clearly the coaches uh, you would have seen in the in the Pick Woody campaign, there was a lot of concern about his lack of pace. And I think the coaches uh, tended to back that uh, train of thought. So as much as he was team man of the year and a great defensive player, I think his, his lack of pace uh, cost him in the end. Well, you know, got to love Woody. <laughs> you won't get him off that one. Uh, Kelvin, uh, as I understand it, this, this competition that you're running, you guys, well, the, the organising body for want of a better term, owns the teams, and then are they independently run as far as coaching and those sorts of things go? No, sir. Absolutely no. No. So, yes, they reach a point, but what we do within our within our national high-performance system, we obviously pick the coaches, the assistant coaches, the management team, and they, they are contracted to, to our national, to South African hockey, so centrally contracted. And then the players are also all centrally contracted into okay. the system. So basically all said, right, who's available to play? Um, one of the really good news, and it's not a lot of money, but you know, from a South African context, it's, it's quite significant that every single one of the 116 players uh, that play in each tournament, of men's and women's, are all paid to play and have no costs that they have to pay. So, you know, in that respect, it, it's uh, it's not professional in the context that they could probably live with it, but it is a hockey tournament and an event where they paid to play um, and don't incur any costs 
to participate, um, which which is something we've been very proud of getting off the ground here and I'll be hoping as more money comes into the game through team sponsorships and event sponsorships that we'll be able to extend um, you know, that revenue base and then also, you know, that the players will benefit from that. So it's a franchise type model. Whereabouts are the teams uh, based or what areas do they represent of the well, country? So what we what we looked at doing the the names we we sort of looked at at um, well known tourist sites within South Africa. So for example, Madikwe is a very well known game ra- a game reserve, and so we have a ladies team called the Madikwe Rangers. Um, Golden Gate is a mountainous sort of I guess uh, uh, Sydney sort of Blue Mountain type area. We we call it the Golden Gate Gladiators, for example. So they after our, our sort of twelve best known tourist sites in South Africa. Um, and, and that's where the names came from. The players come from all over. The marquee players tend, not a, as a rule of thumb, they tend to come from broadly the, a, a particular area together. Um, but the other players can be drafted from anywhere in South Africa. So you literally have players that ordinarily would not play together in our domestic system playing together um, in each of those tournaments. But the franchises, they're truly franchises because all the teams are owned by South African hockey. Now, is this replacing an existing state model that's already there? Which, on the show, we've talked before no. about the, the Australian Hockey mm. League and the relevance of that and, and where no. it all sits. Uh. No, it doesn't. It, it was a new competition, and it's, it's really to add onto our national system, which is our, our own hockey nationals, what we call our interprovincial tournaments, so the tournament between our provinces, your equivalent of the states. Yeah. That continues, that remains in place. Um, it, it, that tends to happen in April here in South Africa. So the, the, the professional hockey league is very much um, a separate event, um, and players are contracted from right around South Africa into these centralised teams. Currently, all our matches are played in one centre. In future, we're going to look to to take the event around. But you know, for that, we need to just make sure that the event is financially sustainable and has the right levels of sponsorship and other revenue to make that feasible and sustainable. I'm really interested in the model you're using, Kelvin, because I I, I have a belief that it, uh, the strength of hockey actually lays at a club level, not at necessarily the international level. And this is obviously uh, a move that is based around the idea of clubs, uh, albeit that they've you know recently created clubs. Is is it the sort yes. of model that down the road, once you start proving it uh, and getting response, that uh, say an existing club could join? Well, I'm not sure about joining. I, I think what we what we might find, and there's various chapters on it. You know, at what point do we perhaps sell these teams to owners? And could those owners be established clubs? Could they be, you know, established hockey institutions? Um, at this stage, we're not making any decisions in that regard. Um, but but we certainly, you know, we could certainly look at those. But certainly, the way that it's structured, um, that can happen down the line. No, I, I think it's a. Uh you know, it's a hard market to crack into, and you've got to be able to prove certain things before you just throw everything open, don't you? I mean, it's it would be a hard sell at times, I imagine. Absolutely. Well, it, it hasn't. It hasn't been. You know, I mean, we've been very pleased. We of our twelve teams now, we've we've secured nine or ten really good team sponsors. Uh, some have come back from last year. We've had a whole lot of new ones come in as well. So, in, in, you know, in that respect, we're starting to see a, a lot of benefits. Certainly at this stage. Um, it works best being a centralised model and that we can centralise the thing and control things. And from our own perspective, you know, we, we struggle to get a high-performance programme going that can make us sort of globally competitive. So it's important at this stage that there's a strong hold on on which players are selected um, into the pools, what type of player, type of systems are played by the coaches, 
um, because it needs to benefit the sort of national agenda, and it's not just simply about a club agenda uh, where one club might, you know, start buying players and, and overloading certain players and various things like that from a quality perspective. So at this stage, it forms very much part of our of our high-performance structures and, and trying to find a way for South African hockey to play for, for from, from systems perspective, the type of players we want to be taking through the system um, and, and all of that, you know. So at this stage, it's best central hands, um, but I don't, I believe in the next probably... PHL four, um, four and five. I think we could see the model starting to evolve. Now I noticed that uh, I did spot that Austin Smith was coming back to play for a couple of weeks of the the tournament happening. Are you finding yep. that some yep. of those guys that are based overseas that are, are, are behind the tournament and want to get home and get involved? We're certainly seeing that. You know, unfortunately, we uh, due to various circumstances, we had to push the tournament out from a dates perspective this year. Um, which, which sort of meant that guys, some of the guys playing in, in some of the overseas, uh, um, leagues can't get back, um, which was, which was disappointing. Um, you know, but Austin, luckily for us, can. So it's, you know, that's quite significant. He hasn't played at home in domestic hockey for a couple of years. So that was really a big, you know, big win for the tournament this year. So absolutely, you know, I think the best players are, are definitely wanting to be here. And one of the things we've had, and even from your own country, and there's an enormous amount of interest from international players saying, when are you going to make it, you know, one or two or three internationals <laughs> yeah, available? That, and, that was and, my next question. And we, well, we're, we're seriously considering that. We had a, we had a, a very, very significant Dutch women's player who, who really wanted to play this year, um, who spends a lot of time in South Africa, um, and she sort of made a good case for it. And I think certainly by by, by PHL 3 next year, we'll be seeing one or two international players, you know, spots being made available um, because certainly we, we're getting that sort of interest and from serious players. Well, she, um, she would probably have sneaked in with the surname, though, hey? Yes, yeah, she would have. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. So, um, yeah. so, you know, so, yeah, and, you know, I think that's been quite interesting for us, just the amount of, of players that sort of, you know, put out some feelers via other players, via coaches saying, listen, I'm happy to come across for five, six weeks and, you know, and participate and, um, you know, which, which was quite interesting. So certainly I think that'll be part of the evolution of the event for us with the Indian leagues and, and the sort of money that's being earned there. You know, it'll be more people taking a, a sort of hockey lifestyle decision. They go, you know, we're playing in South Africa for five weeks. You know, it could be quite fun. Yeah. And, you know, we'll send up a few safaris and give them a good time. They're <laughs> uh, not going to leave you wealthy, but they'll, they'll have a great time. Yeah, and, and I think that's the way that a lot of the, the in, in inverted commas, semi-professional hockey world works, isn't it? There's uh, young guys and girls that are, are travelling the world and, and uh, experiencing lots of things, but hopefully experiencing different hockey culture from around and about. Now, a note on the tournament itself, you've got your three main weekends of, of the group competition, and then you, you slip into your finals campaign. And what intrigued me, my dates might be wrong, but your, your semi-finals and your finals are on a Monday and a Tuesday? Monday and Tuesday. Oh, you have done your homework. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a few reasons for that, and that it's sort of just where the, where the calendar fitted. One is the following weekend is quite a big weekend in South Africa. Um, from a political perspective, our African National Congress are having their... Every five years, they have a major congress to decide who their new leadership is. And if you if you followed anything about South African politics in the last five years, you'll know this is quite important for the country. So we felt it was better to get the hockey out the way before that that happened was was one of the reasons. The second is that that Monday and Tuesday is actually the first Monday and Tuesday of the school holidays. At December, schools break uh-huh. up before people go away. 
So typically what you will have found is, is in South Africa, the 16th of December is a, is a holiday. And that tends to be sort of where people pack up shop and go to the beach for, you know, four, three, four weeks or whatever it might be. So the Monday, Tuesday night we knew Johannesburg would still be full of lots of people, lots of people with kids who aren't at school looking for something to do. Um, you know, so it, it worked out for us in that respect. And then the last aspect was this board worked very, very closely. We looked at the schedule of, of international cricket, of domestic cricket, Ram Slam, which is our version of Big Bash League, was taking the final is on the 15th, 16th. So we just felt that to, to get it out the way, Monday, Tuesday night tends to be very good television time for us here in South Africa. So it was a number of reasons that, that we looked at it, and it made sense from a commercial perspective, uh, both from viewership perspective, from knowing that we had people in town, and obviously from a cost perspective, it meant that for the finals weekend, we would bring in everyone in for sort of a five, six-day stretch and only have to fly them in once as opposed to twice. So there were a lot of you know, commercial reasons. A lot of the squads were happy to be together for a bit longer, um, so it worked out for us. We, we did pick up on the, the broadcasting potential. We spoke about it before, and I think a Monday night and a Tuesday night can fit perfectly, particularly for a sport like ours, that we don't have to then compete against the rugby's and the crickets and the footies and whatever else you know, it, it might be. And especially in our context, you know, we, we have a very strong um, correlation between hockey fans and cricket fans in South Africa, particularly. So the fact that we're playing it now in summer, we've been very cognizant of, of what the cricket calendar looks like. Uh, both from fans coming to games as well as you know, from a broadcast perspective. So that was important. And for fans coming to games, it's free entry? We we do. Part of our deal with government in terms of their funding was that for the first period, whilst we were still using some of their funding, that entry would be free. Um, and obviously, you know, their feeling was that that money, had, you know, to, to get the tournament off the ground had come from government, from taxpayers, and, and therefore taxpayers should have the right to to go into those games without being uh, having to pay. Um, and certainly down the line, we'll we'll start looking at that. Although the reality is, you know, as much as uh, when we had World League here, we we we, we did charge significant for South African context, significant ticket pricing, um, and it worked for us. We sold out the stadium. Um, we feel at this stage that, that this event um, we will still pr- provide free entry at this stage because it won't fundamentally change the the financials or the dynamics of, right, just the, of another, the event. Just chuck another dollar on the hot dog price. <laughs> Oh, I just see yep, exactly. <laughs> and and you know, hockey players, uh, we we're making enough money at the bar. So. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are you getting buy-in from the locals, Kelvin? Are people turning up to the games, perhaps in a, team scarves and stuff? We started to see people start supporting teams last year, and and you know, certain teams managed to benefit more than others, um, which was interesting. I think we're starting to see a little bit more of that this year. That people are now, and certainly around the social media, we start to see people very definitely supporting particular teams. A lot of that is based around players, but also some of our teams started to do some interesting things themselves. One of the things we wanted to encourage in this process was that the teams took some responsibility for the marketing of the game, and and so we've given them a bit of control. Although the social and digital media assets of the tournament belong to South African hockey and we, we have you know ultimate control over them, the Twitter accounts and the Instagram accounts and all of those things we made available to the players and said to the players, right, we've given you a name. You know, you create your brand. And so we had teams, for example, our Mapungupwe Mambas. Um, a mamba is a, is a very dangerous and, and uh, poisonous snake in, in South Africa. Um, so they were called the Mapungupwe Mambas. And, and they sort of really, for example, created a, an identity for themselves. They would even walk out to play, or if they scored goals, they would sort of run out like an S-shape, a moving snake along the floor. <laughs> and like that. So they really picked up a lot of support from kids in that who started to 
you know, it became a move literally when kids scored, they'd all line up and go back to the halfway line like a snake supporting their, their Mumba's team. And yeah. so those teams, you know, it was really just to say to the players, you need to also become aware that in today's world, how you behave on social and digital media, how you punt the game is going to determine your own success and what sort of um, following you have on bands. And, uh, you know, some of the teams did better than others, quite honestly. And, and we're really starting to see some of that competition up and a lot of the players are sort of planning some campaigns. I think that's where, where Woody might, you know, he's, he's getting a lot of uh, um, offer this sort of media and marketing manager of the team. But uh, I think we'll we'll do something with him at an, at an event level <laughs> rather than the active. It sounds really exciting, Kevin. We've both got a big smile on our face here. And, you know, if you talk about kids getting involved with the game, you talk about players creating their own destiny, you talk about um, us creating a, a hockey brand, whether it be for individual teams or, or for a nation to be doing it, it's, it, it's, it seems to be ticking all the boxes for where we believe that our sport should be going. Well, absolutely. I think one of the things that, that we as an organisation ourselves, and, and, you know, I think a lot of give a lot of credit to the FIH. They did a lot of work around the FIH revolution and a lot of what they were talking about in that strategy. We've studied hard and, and we've implemented as much of it as we can. We shared some meetings this morning with, with our beverage and food and, and those suppliers and saying, right, you know, um, what happens in, in PHL2 is we need to match the hockey and the broadcast with world-class food and beverage operations, the sort of thing that people are going to witness, you know, at a, at a, at a top-end food market as opposed to what they normally get at a, at a hockey stadium. You know, we we need to get some sort of very slap chips and and uh, a burrowbos or, or a hot dog and and you know it's pretty average to be honest. We're saying, well, you know, if we want to turn the sport around, we need to get people to come and watch three, four games of hockey on a Saturday or a Sunday. We need to make sure that food and beverage experience for them is, is as good as they're going to get at any top end food market, and that you know whether randoming with them or the sister who's not interested in hockey, she's happy to come and and sit and have you know a great a great uh, meal, whether it be yeah. a breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and have a couple of drinks. And, you know, it's not just sort of cold beers and warm pies, that there's, you know, some really trendy gins and some great wines and, and whatever else it might be that's, that's going to keep people uh, at the ground. Now, this has been uh, broadcast throughout South Africa on Supersport. Can it be viewed anywhere else in the region on Supersport, anywhere else across Africa? It's actually it's broadcast into 42 countries in Africa. Uh, in, including South Africa. So it's broadcast across the continent by Supersport. They, they broadcast in just over 40 countries. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the broadcast distribution. And wouldn't support. it be, wouldn't it be fantastic if that was, you know, it's like the touch paper for Africa and in three or four years time that you've got some young Zambian kids taking, you know, place in one of the teams and, you know, to make it a truly global African competition. Well, absolutely, it could be. You know, it's one of the discussions that we've been having, saying one of the ways we can contribute to African hockey is to get, you know, as part of that allocation, of, you know, if we're going to go international players and saying, okay, well, if we have perhaps two or three per squad, then one or maybe two of those must be African. And, you know, let's bring down some Egyptian men, some of the Ghanaian women, as you say, yeah. Zambia, Zimbabwe, Namibia, we've, we've tended to have quite a close relationship. In fact, we've got a couple of Namibians playing in, in the tournament. Namibian hockey and South African hockey is... is uh, Probably interbred is probably the word. I'm not sure what they're right, but but they're sort of, you know, they they miss in, they come to our universities, they play in our provincial tournaments. So we've got quite a few Namibians already playing in the tournament, um, you know, who play perhaps indoor or, or a bit outdoor, and that for 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 Namibia as well. So yeah, well, of course Namibia, we'll Namibia going that. to the indoor World Cup. Absolutely, yeah, instead of us. 
You mentioned there about being able to televise across uh, the continent. Is there any chance that us here in Australia are going to be able to pick it up somehow? Or maybe can we become a, um, can we log into Star Sport over there and, and become a customer? I'm, I'm sure we probably could. It was something we'd probably need to discuss with Supersport. We, Supersport. we have been talking to them, to Supersport, about staying in their next deals with Star and others to actually swap their content for ours. Because for one thing, Supersport's, you know, over the last couple of years, and, and some people don't believe it, we'll have about 340 live matches of hockey broadcast on Supersport this year in South Africa. So we've literally had all the FIH World League events. We've had, obviously, the Indian Premier League. We've had the Euros broadcast, and we've started to get more and more of that content. What Supersport's been doing is just seeing that it's, you know, it's, it's pretty popular content. It's doing really well um, and adding it to, to its deal. So when we, you know, the, the, the Indian Premier League stuff and that is all done, with uh, you know, with Star, when 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 they do cricket deals, etc., they take some hockey content on. Yeah. Um, and the Euros, they they took on in various stuff. So one of the things we talking to SuperSport about is saying, look, into some of these hockey countries, when you are looking at doing some, um, you know, some putting packaging some offers in together, why don't you package the Premier Hockey League into certain countries? Um, you know, at this stage they haven't had e-bites, um, but uh, yeah, it's something certainly perhaps down the line once we have international players participating, we may see change. So. Um, we're certainly working with them with that. There's, there's no reason they, they, they do do some of the streaming, so there, there is no reason that, you know, they obviously also have their own online platform. So certainly that can be viewed around the world. Um, and there's no reason we can't find a streaming partner in different territories to do that. They, they're very open to that. They've been an incredible supportive partner, uh, for the, for, for the Premier Hockey League. And in fact, for hockey in South Africa, they were fantastic. Now, in our World League event, I don't know how much of that you saw in Japan. Um, but they really, you know, held nothing back. Um, so they were really a fantastic partner for for the game. And you know, we're looking now for for next year. We're already working with them around our hockey nationals. So our under 16 nationals, under 18 nationals, and so that SuperSport are going to come and look and start broadcasting the sort of semi-finals, final stages of those events live. It sounds, um, which is great for the game of hockey here. So, yeah, sounds great to get a, um, a broadcaster actually keen to get on board and see the value of the sport. Oh. Well, absolutely, though. And, you know, one of the interesting things that's come out of our World League and various stuff is a lot of our, and I'm sure you won't be too different, is, you know, a lot of the, the television viewers of a lot of our major sporting codes tend to be sort of on the wrong side of 50. Um, and what we're finding with hockey is 65, 70 of the Super Sport audience is under 24. It's been really significant for them to see that, you know, it's not often that you get sort of 16 to 24-year-olds watching live sport. They really are a generation who don't tend to watch that much live sport from a broadcast perspective compared to their elders. But hockey... We, we had a 66, I think it was about 63% under 24 watching our World League wow. events, um, in, in, you know, so really positive for the game. Yeah, we, we had a problem here in Australia with the, uh, the World League semi-finals. Kelvin, our broadcaster was, uh, very stingy in what they were choosing to show. It's <laughs> a great pity. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and, and it's not the first one, I dare say, it won't be the last tournament that we get treated by our broadcaster like that, but I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sad news for them is OTT has arrived, and, you know, soon people are going to decide for themselves what they watch, and not let the broadcaster decide what they're going to broadcast. So, you know, if, if that's the, the view they're taking, they might just find a lot of their audience uh, unplugging and uh, downloading what they want to watch as opposed to waiting for, for the broadcaster to determine what, what Saturday afternoon looks for you. 
But it's funny you should say that. I saw a, uh, a Facebook post from a gentleman today on a, something that was put out by Hockey Australia saying that the International Festival of Hockey would be available to view on Fox Sports um, from Wednesday this week. And this fellow had popped up and said, oh, bugger, I've just cancelled my Fox Sports subscription because they're not paying any attention to <laughs> hockey. <laughs> Now, just yeah, look, you know, absolutely. And I mean, you guys will know, I mean, you know, or the business that you're in and, and what you're doing in the podcast, the world's changing. And I mean, that's one of the things, the beauty sometimes of, of being a sport like hockey is you're not married into a, to a 20, 30 year old financial system that reply, relies on TV rights and major broadcasters to determine your future. So you can, in, in a lot of respects, determine your own future. Oh, um, right. And that has that. a great deal of benefit. Yes, spot on, Kelvin, spot on. Now, just before we let you go, Calvin, um, with regard to your team managers, is Sheldon Rostron coaching anybody in the PHL? <laughs> no, he's not. So Sheldon is our national women's coach and, and, and has temporarily also looked after our men, so he went to Africa and won both titles. So Sheldon has been instrumental in determining both the, the, the players that were available for the draft. Um, he's working with all the coaches, so we, he's actually a mentor to all six coaches. Uh, in the women's league, and he sits with each of those coaches after every single game, analyzes the type of game plan they implemented, how the players reacted to that game plan, and he also sits with them pre the tournament and says there's certain patterns that he's looking to establish from a southern hockey perspective, from an attack, from a defensive perspective to implement. Because as I said, for us, it's really important to use this tournament to start creating a South African way um, and to start really developing our high-performance structures so that, you know, right from our, you know, we've got players as young as 17, 18 participating in, in our PHL, right up to obviously our most senior players, and, and that's really the role that Sheldon plays. So he, he has a very strong hand in the women's tournament, works with each coach, literally does an analysis post every single game in the women's tournament, all 20 games, sits with a coach, has a look at their performance, plus the performance of each of the players. Um, and all of that information is then with the technical teams logged, etc. So that's really the role that Sheldon plays uh, in the PHL. Kelvin, how often do you have to change his batteries? Because he just <laughs> keeps going. How many things does he do? <laughs> he, he does. He does do a lot. I must say, I marvel that I'm going into into Egypt for the for the Africa Cup. Um, our, both our national teams got together for the week before they went. And he was literally. Uh, I got there at about I don't know three o'clock on a on I think it was a Thursday afternoon, and he'd been on the Astro since seven with the woman, and then the men had come, and then he'd, he'd, the woman had come back for a short and he had literally been in a hot African sun. He had this, but he still had just as much energy as he did at 7 a.m., so he, he is rather extraordinary in that respect. Um, we're lucky to have him. Oh, yeah, you should cherish that. Sure. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. We've, it's, it's really um, interesting and exciting to hear all the plans that are happening with the PHL, and and the formation of a, a, a wider plan for South African international hockey. And, uh, yeah, we've, yeah, like I said before, we've both got big smiles on our faces here going, fantastic, something refreshing, something different, and, uh, you know, perhaps it's something that, that can show the way for, for other, na- other nations of, around the world. Well, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, we've just got to work what we've got, and, and as I say, sometimes it's easy. When you haven't got too much, you can really design what, what you would like to have, and, you know, you're not carried into an old system that makes it very difficult to move with the time. So we've been fortunate in that respect. But we've also taken that view that we've got to make fun. You know, hockey needs to be fun. It needs to be entertainment. It, it, it needs to deliver on and tick all those boxes for the fans and for the players, um, and specifically the young players, because that's really where our growth is coming from. And 
you know, we're flying in that respect. And it's about saying, how do we keep these young people in the game, not only as players, but as fans going into the future? Kevin, absolute pleasure having you with us today. And, uh, yeah, we wish you all the, the best of success with the PHL. So we get underway, uh, what, where are we? 25th of November. And, and then we run for three weeks and then we're into the finals. Yep. So th- three, three separate weekends of play. That's right. Oh, Fantastic. We'll keep an eye on it, Kelvin. Good. And Absolutely the, good. That, that's it. And if, if there's any opportunity for for the global hockey world to see the game, then we'll keep an eye on the SA, uh, uh, SA underscore I'll PHL. Um, I've really made a note here to talk to Supersport about uh, doing some uh, <laughs> some streaming options with you guys. So don't worry, you'll hear from me tomorrow. <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. Thanks, and if we get good news, we'll share it with our listeners. So, Kelvin, thanks so much once again. And, uh, yeah, good luck with it all. Thanks, mate. Thanks, John. You are with the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast, and that was this week's feature interview with Kelvin Watt. And uh, Kelvin's, by the sounds of it, been a strategic brain behind uh, what's going on with the yeah. Premier Hockey League in South Africa. I think it's really, really exciting what he talks about there. And... Uh, yeah, shows, just shows a good a good pathway. They find themselves in a certain situation and they're trying to find a way around it and uh, coming up with an innovative solution. And yeah, wouldn't it be great if we can get to watch it? And here's the thing: it's like he said, it's a, it's a, all a new market, so it's about trying to position yourself. Now, the Indian Premier League in in hockey had a lot of eyes for a lot of time. Maybe not so much now as it has. You know, big coverage in in India itself. Uh, but other countries have thought, oh, maybe we can replicate this model and make it bigger, make it better. Now, it's all about trying to position yourself, isn't it? And it's all, it's about being attractive to, to the, uh, the sponsors. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, locally uh, or globally. I, I, I did notice though when he was talking about the amount of, uh, international hockey they've been able to see through the broadcaster in Africa that, uh, a little bit of steam started rising out of your ears there. You, no, rising out of your ears because you threw the pen down on the desk. You might, if you listen back, you might hear the noise. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, a little bit frustrating at times, but nonetheless, uh, we should move on and take a look at some of the things that are coming up in the next week or so. Well, just first, we, yeah. you, you mentioned there about uh, you know frustration with things, and there has been some fr- frustration there towards uh, the Asian Hockey Federation. Wait a sec, are we talking about broadcasting again? Go on then. But it was just, just, just as a mention. But on the flip side, something that I saw quite positive on the Asian Hockey Federation site this week is that they've, uh, from the 4th to the 9th of November, so that's happening right now, there's a uh, North Korean national coaching course being had in Pyongyang uh, by FIHA educator Mr. Arif Ali. Um, and he's been appointed to, to coach uh, a group of 38 there uh, from various different provinces across North Korea. So great to see the sport spreading its wings, John. You've got a look <laughs> on your face. Um, go I'm, on. I'm just thinking, my heart tells me what a fantastic thing. Reaching out, uh, you know, spreading the word into places such as North Korea and, and breaking down divides and all that sort of stuff. But my head is just going comedy gold. It's well, all I'm considering is is, is part of the, the coaching course when you're looking to educate players. Are they um, spending a lot of time on throwing overheads? Oh, I don't know. Or the aerial if you're in certain parts of Europe. No, but the, the duck and cover drill is very popular. <laughs> 
Now, <laughs> let's get back to the series. Now, it is good. It is good that that's, that's going on. And uh, maybe it will break down some barriers. <laughs> what? Oh, no. <laughs> was it a pun? Are you sure? I'm, I'm positive. Okay. It wasn't a pun. All right, don't keep that. <laughs> I would, have, I would have said break down the demilitarisation. <laughs> right, yeah, back onto the hockey. Let's forget about the politics because, of course, there is no place for politics in hockey. Or match fixing. Well, I will just mention, though, I did share on our Facebook page this week a, um, a nice little image uh, from uh, Dr. Batra's Facebook page, which was a picture of the Lion King and his son. Was it Simba? Is Simba the son? The two of them sitting up up, up on a rock, and uh, what was the quote, John? Um, this is hockey, son. No. no, Dad, something about match fixing. You should look it up. We've got <laughs> social media. You've got to, that's what the computers are for. There's screens in front of you. We've got internet. We're modern. Yeah, but it's going to take you ten minutes to find it. But basically, it was uh, no, son. There's no match fixing in hockey, which uh, I thought. No, we're, no, son. We're hockey players. We're hockey players. That's right. That's what it was. But uh, so it got me looking a little bit more on uh, Dr. Batra's timeline, and there were a few little um, uh, spats of flying in various directions between himself and others regarding appointment towards the Indian uh, Olympic International Olympic Association and the possible president's role there. Um, there's not a lot been heard. I mean, we mentioned a few weeks ago about uh, Dr. Batra popping up in the uh, handing over the leaving gifts to Roland Altman's and uh, his sidekick there, and uh, not a lot's been heard about what's going on at the FIH. And are you referring to disciplinary hearings? Well, okay, yeah, let's go there. Yeah, let, let's go there because we have talked about it before. Yeah, we were. Um, under the impression that there were disciplinary, disciplinary hearings going on with regard to comments that have been made during and post the Hockey World League in London. We haven't heard a great deal more from that. Oh, I've got to say, I did hear a little rumour that there's one nation that, that you know, may struggle with funding if uh, the status quo remains. Um, it will be interesting to see how it all plays out with Dr. Batra both at the FIH and the IOA and the IOC. It's a funny world we live in, isn't it, John? Oh, yeah. Well, wait and see how it all plays out. I mean, it's an elected position, so Dr. Batra might not find himself elected, but wait and see what happens first. Oh, it's always good to have, good to have friends at the IOC, Matt. Yeah, and, you know, and if you hold a certain position, it's... Uh, it's always good to have options. It, it is. <laughs> but we should move on. Are we ready for the socials yet? Or do you, oh, no, we've got a couple of things to talk about. The uh, Men's Asia Challenge is coming up in uh, Myanmar at Yangon. Uh, that starts on the 25th. And uh, that has Sri Lanka, Hong Kong, China, Chinese, Taipei, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Brunei and Myanmar competing. They rate, rank from 38th Sri Lanka down to 89th placed Myanmar. That's the Men's Asia Challenge, so that's the next tier down. Well, let's hope all of those sides can get some funding and actually make it along to that Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. We saw the case with the the Women's Asia Challenge where the proposed match uh, schedule was published, but unfortunately only three of the six teams turned up. Uh, In this case, I've taken this information off the match schedule, so I'm assuming that they will all turn up. Interestingly... It's a round-robin tournament with no finals. So at the end of the round-robin tournament, top of the table will be, the, will be the winner. Well, I was going to do a little quiz for you tonight, and that was exactly how it was in the 1980 um, 
Olympics, and it was the first Olympics for women it was. Uh, in hockey. And do you know who won it? I do. Oh. Well, you tell me the six teams. Well, I, I, well, so it was it was a round robin tournament. And I used it as so a question top, in a quiz night at a hockey club one night. <laughs> so yeah, all right, give me the six teams. I can't do that. Go on, go for well, it. Well, one of them's not Australia. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Americans weren't there. Uh, Great Britain, did they go to the 80 Moscow Olympics? I can't remember. Probably not. Um, South Africa might have been there. I'm sure teams like Germany went. I don't know. Well, you were wrong on the first two counts there. So Australia um, were there. The New men Ze- didn't go. No, the women did, though. Australia oh, were there. New Zealand were there. The US were, were there. West Germany, the Netherlands, oh. and GB. Oh, that makes the whole the decision that the men's team had to put up with even more disgraceful. Isn't it interesting? I, you know, I, I, I was going to do that as a little quiz for you tonight, and I got the little sound effects set up and everything, but no, there you go. I preempted you. You did. What were we talking about? Oh, Men's Asia Challenge getting underway in Yangon, Myanmar, 25th to the 11th. Uh, we've got some test matches coming up too. Well, we've got the International Festival of Hockey, obviously, oh, yeah. um, happening down in Melbourne. So we've seen a couple of games played there already in Bendigo in the country. And that now moves down to, um, yeah, to down, down to Melbourne. So in the men's uh, competition, we've got Japan, Australia, Pakistan, and New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the four sides yeah. there. And yeah, the same flag. Yeah, <laughs> and the uh, and on the women's side, Australia, New Zealand, the US, and the Netherlands. So you know, it's some, hockey some, oh, some sensational. Hockey. And as we mentioned, you can probably find it on Epicenter TV or. Uh, another broadcaster, if you're lucky. I'm sure there'll be plenty going around on the socials about it this weekend. Uh, there are some test matches coming up to Australia after the um, International Festival of Hockey this weekend. They're going to be taking on Japan in some test games from the 15th to the 18th, just as a prelude to the uh, Women's World Hockey League final. That's going to be in Adelaide. No, it's in Auckland. <laughs> no, the women's, sorry, the women's final. <laughs> the test games are going to be in Adelaide. Okay, that's right. That's yeah, the, you're right. You're right. Yeah, okay. Um, from the 13th to the 16th, uh, Germany are taking on England in uh, the men's side of things. The Australia-Japan games are women's. Um, Germany-England men's in Mannheim, 13th to the 16th. I would have a feeling that that might find its way onto Euro TV Hockey or some such similar platform. Euro so Hockey TV, yeah, that's the one. And we'll keep that in mind. And that's all, of course, in the build-up to World League Finals. There is another test, few tests going on, and I think it's concerning both men or women because it doesn't say either. Uh, South Africa taking on Zimbabwe in Durban uh, for fun because they don't have any world leagues coming up for them. That's right. Now, just briefly over to the States. The NCAA Championship Division 1 is about to get underway. So the, uh, all the teams have qualified for that. Do you want to give you a quick rundown for those that are interested in U.S.? Field yeah. hockey the college Go the level. Lions. Go the Nittany so, Lions. Stanford University, uh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, St. Joseph's University, University of Connecticut, University of Michigan, University of Delaware, Princeton University, Fairfield University, Miami University, uh, <laughs> Miami University, Ohio, Boston University, um, have all qualified through the conferences. And then, I'm not quite sure how this works, but the remaining eight teams were selected at large. Duke University, University of Louisville, Northwestern University, University of Maryland, College Park, Pennsylvania State Uni, Syracuse University, University of Virginia, and Wake Forest University. They go off into uh, um, a, uh, a straight playoff um, into finals. That's held over the weekend. Uh, I think it's just coming up. 
Has uh, Duke University got anything to do with the Duke brothers? Duke? Yeah, you know, from trading places. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know. Has it got anything to do with Bo Duke from Dukes of Hazard? No, no. no. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, trading no, places. No, no, no. I understand the reference, oh, but, okay. but your reference has got as much place as mine has. I think. <laughs> <laughs> in, 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 the, in the stupid bloody question box. Oh, have you got anything more to add? Uh, no, we're okay. good. I'm no longer an egg, Matt. No, I, apparently there's a photograph popped up on Twitter. So, uh, it's not a Ke- 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 we spoke to last week. We uh, very happy about that. Um, yeah, social media this week. So I mentioned before there's been a, a fair bit of um, an outcry particularly from Indian quarters with regard to the lack of coverage of uh, the Women's Asia Cup. Uh, you know, a little bit too late to be crying about it, unfortunately. In, in but fairness, there were, at the start of the tournament, when people tuned in expecting it, and there wasn't any, there was a fair bit of outcry on the socials yeah. as well at that stage. I think people just expected it would be there. They didn't realise it wasn't going to be there. Yeah, that's right. And... I'm still asking the question, you know, why, why not, why not, why not? It's just, it's, you know, it's very odd. And look, what I'm hoping is that what comes out of it is there's a greater awareness, particularly within Asia, that women's sports should be on an equal footing, particularly in hockey. Now, yeah. you know, we're, we're not a sport that's um, either trying to convert male uh, participants to play a traditionally female sport or female uh, uh, participants to play a traditionally male sport. Which seems to be very much in vogue to these days. Isn't it? And, and Christ, you know, th- we, we've always done it. You know, this is hockey. It's, it's, That's uh, right. And it's, it's nothing new to us, so it's, you know, it's kind of amusing to sit on the sidelines and watch it. I did write an editorial about that uh, in the first few weeks of the podcast. It's yep. back there in the editorials page somewhere, but about hockey, you know, we, we actually end up getting punished because... We don't care about these things. We're that inclusive that we don't seem to care. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It makes, yeah, makes perfect sense with it. Um, Anything else grab your attention? Yeah, a couple of other things uh, with regard to social media. Thanks very much to um, uh, Mark who made a comment on the FH Empire's post the other day that he thinks uh, we're hilarious. And I'm quite upset about that, as you'd have seen from my post back. This is supposed to be a serious hockey news podcast, Mark, so uh, enough of the jokes, eh? You're just lucky we don't have the webcam going as well, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty hilarious. Um, what else? So, yeah, Dream Team is progressing beautifully, and so if you keep an eye um, on our social media feeds this week on Twitter and Facebook forward slash The Reverse Stick, you'll learn all about our plans for the Dream Team Fancy League, which is going to happen for the... Hockey World League men's finals in Bhubaneswar, Bhubaneswar, you get it, and uh, yeah, we'll be posting that out, so we'll get those details, but we really will need you to get behind it, retweet, share, get your club involved to try and raise some funds for your club, and really try and spread the word, and uh, we want it to be a really positive thing for hockey, and, and, and uh, you know, bring our world together and have a bit of competition, a bit of fun with it as well, so get behind that, guys. Thanks, your company, once again. Enjoy your hockey week. We'll see you next week.